Chicka chicka cow cow. <laughs> what up? GM, my friends. GMs. GM. What up? There he is. What's up? How's it going, brother? Doing well. How about you? Not too shabs. Not too shabs. Solid. How are you, Cow? Yo, I'm good, Chad. What's going on? Not much. Ready to ready to hear all the latest and greatest from Thorchain. Yeah, nothing but. I have so many people in here already. By the way, like, um, so a friend of mine who works for um, a well-known project, like in crypto space, I'm not going to say which one because I don't want to throw shade or anything, but he was just saying that like everybody in senior leadership is just like mass exiting the project. <laughs> like the CEO is gone, like all upper management, just everybody's just like just, just diving away and going to other things. <laughs> just like the, the the bear market is just like, you know, cleansing out the kind of the useless products that don't really do much. Why is that? Just incentives not going the right way? Well, I mean, I think like uh, this project and, and similar ones are just ones where like, um, you know, they talk a big game, don't really do much or have much like activity on their chain. Um, most of their progress is through just marketing means of just like, you know, dumping money on the problem in a sense. And so when the bear market comes and like everything goes down, it's like the morale just gets hit and just like, People just, you know, this happens like all the time in the DeFi space, especially like it. Oh, this isn't really a DeFi protocol itself, but like, you know, like morale gets low during bear markets. You know, typically founders are already like, you know, wealthy. And so they like, oh, I don't, I don't deal with this shit anymore. Cause like the communities get really negative too, as well, oftentimes. And people complain about the price being down or whatever. And then just, you know, things get toxic and, you know, it's just people just like, fuck it, YOLO, I'm out. And just kind of leave, right? Like that, that's like pretty common to see in bear markets and for a lot of projects, which is why you don't see a lot of projects really come back in the next, you know, next bowl or whatever. Yeah, definitely a strong pruning of projects and teams and just like what people are. I mean, especially like all just the CFI implosion over the last month or two. Um, it's like such a trimming of like what's actually going to matter, what's actually going to be around when when things come come back. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing in the last cycle, like. After 2017, like, you know, we had all these ICO booms, whatever. Most of those coins basically went to zero or, you know, barely kind of barely exist if they do exist. And very few kind of stick around for the next bull cycle where they're, you know, progressing again or keep on, keep on moving forward. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, we, we haven't really seen that in the, like, Thorchain ecosystem at all. Everyone's... Because everyone's building towards, like, a, a, a purpose and, like, something that, you know they believe in has has some real incentives here so there hasn't really been this uh in an uprising or, or anything like that where where people are like oh, you know i'm not i'm just not gonna deal with this shit anymore i'm out yeah like literally have absolute zero of that like, there's not a single person either on the og team or the nine realms team that is just like yolo the hell out of it after the bear market hit because like, I think everybody that's been working on this project kind of understands what it is we're doing. And we, we understand that uh, the value proposition of it, the value of it. And we know that it's has a lot of like long-term uh, implications. And we're, we're here for the bear markets. We're here for the bull markets. Like we're here to ship no matter what market it is. And like everybody understands that. And so it's like nothing for us as a project. Like, you know, we just keep on doing what we're doing. But for other projects, it's like it's like the end, you know? Yeah, even our ecosystem projects are really strong and like fully understand that vision. Like nothing is slowing down from like what I'm seeing on the ThorSwap side, like all the other projects, Rango, everyone. 
like everything is just full speed ahead, build mode, like no slowing down, no, uh, no, like, Oh, let's wait. Um, everything is just like, let's make this stronger and let's just have more features, more possibilities, like build everything out. And then, you know, like when crypto is roaring, like we're 10 X stronger and the infrastructure is there and ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. We're all in, and even the treasury is still healthy. Like a lot of projects, the treasury goes to shit. Um, and they, they ran out of capital, but even our treasury is still looking in a, in, a, in a good spot. We like plenty of money to support uh, further developments and you know, fund the thing for years to come. And so, like in, in every sense of it, like we're just we're we're still in a good strong spot. And and kind of like talking to my friend who worked for that that kind of failing uh, crypto project, like it's like it just kind of it, it it made me giggle just a little bit because it kind of shows the dichotomy or like the. On the how far away we are on the opposite side of that spectrum that that other project is kind of struggling with. Well, there's two ends of it. There's there's people building projects with utility that generate revenue that are you know uh, that that will survive a bear market. And then there's people who are building projects that you know might not need to be built that uh, you know don't have the right incentives right now. And that those are the ones that are that are crumbling down right now because uh, they're just. It's not that they're not building something of value. It's just it's it's not as uh, uh, it's not as visible, and you know people don't don't feel it as much. Like people relate to the the multi chain vision, and they they see that there's something that's there that needs to be solved, right? Yeah, I was talking to chatting with a friend of mine who's was working on a project that was like an NFT project, like you know, concept. And I was talking to him again the other, the other day, and he's like pivoting away from the NFT stuff. And I asked him, like, well, why are you pivoting, pivoting your, what you're, you know, what you're working on? And he said that it's like, just nobody cares about NFTs anymore. Like everybody cared about that when the market was going like bull and everybody's kind of like has this euphoria. But in a bear market, I guess, according to him, uh, you know, it's the kind of interest in NFTs has dropped off significantly. Right. Whereas what we're trying to do as a project is like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's a bear or a bull market. Everybody wants to be able to move between that, you know, chains and, and be able to earn yield. And like th- that doesn't shift at all. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think everything obviously is like slower across the board, but I don't know if I fully would agree with them just because a lot of people like purely only care about NFTs too. You know, like there's so many people that are just like hardcore NFT people that have no idea like what we're talking about or what DeFi is. And it's like definitely one of like the most just kind of like broad, broad probably the number one broad reaching like crypto thing so far i would say like there's just so many like you know young people running around and 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 nft nyc and stuff like doing all their nft stuff and i don't know it's fun but i'm sure it's metrics are down seems like it seems like people maybe maybe it's just the eth world of nfts (laughs) yeah no idea I don't really pay attention to NFTs all that much person just because I'm so fixated on one particular concept, <laughs> which is obviously yeah. ThorChain. And I dedicate my my brain juices that I have and focus on this and, and improving it. And so I, I don't have a good sense of what's happening in like the NFT space. I did hear a, uh, a rumor very recently that uh, there's been... Uh, so someone has made an NFT purchase using the Thor, the Thorchain aggregator using uh, using Bitcoin. It, it, basically, a, a cross chain uh, NFT purchase with uh, you know with basically Thorchain's aggregator feature. That's pretty dope. I like that. That's awesome. <clears throat> I definitely want to see that like kind of packaged up in a in a simple a simple thing that like NFT platforms could just plug in and 
you know, you can just like choose what you want to pay with. Um, definitely think that's a really cool application of, of the aggregator. Cause, uh, kind of like we were just saying, like that, that's definitely one of the huge areas that people are actually like actively spending crypto, you know, whether it's ETH, Sol, whatever, like, so that'd be really, it's a pretty sweet application. I'm waiting for someone to make the, the, the ThorPay uh, payments app where you pay, pay with any crypto and then uh, receive and then merchant receives any any crypto that they that they want. So buyer can pay with what they want and the, the seller gets whatever they want and everyone's happy. I'm waiting yep. for that. Yeah, props to you. You you threw that idea out. Like we were talking about that on a space like, I don't know, like many, many months ago. And it feels like now that idea is like really uh, picking up some traction. Like, um, I, I, I think I think it's probably going to happen. Yeah, it probably it could happen. Uh, it's just waiting for somebody to pick up that kind of concept and just run with it. Because the, the, you know, I'm not gonna be building that personally. And, and I don't think it's planned anybody on the core team or nine realm side. So like, that's, that's, a new, that's a new project idea to throw on top of ThorChain and just do payments. Yeah, it's difficult because you need the adoption from the merchants, right? Uh, like that—that's the—that's the the real hurdle there. Is you need to put it into like you need to create the the concept, right? Where you know someone can just send any any crypto, and then uh, you know the seller receives it, and everyone's happy. But then you also need to you need to put it onto a web store that people are going to use and actually like <laughs> you know, make a transaction with it, which is that, that that's the part that's easier said than done. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a bit tricky in that sense, um, as well as for the user too, because the user has to like send it to Thorchain. So if you have like a regular Bitcoin wallet, for example, that doesn't support uh, offer terms or memos, then you know it doesn't work out so well. And so, what you'd have to do if you were going to do this, if I was thinking about it, is that you could create uh, you could use a, a HR wallets, a HD wallets, or a hierarchical deterministic wallets where you generate unique addresses, Bitcoin addresses, and you send the Bitcoin to you know the merchant or this company that's someone's building on top of Thorchain, whatever it is, and then they receive the Bitcoin and then they just send the Bitcoin to chain with, with the correct memo and the correct des- destination and you know all that kind of stuff and and gets the trip the trade done it's, it's it's a little bit tricky to it but it's totally feasible so, so you want to talk about the the release this week uh 1.94 what's new 1.94 chad uh 1.94 had a few things about it uh nothing like earth shattering per se but um it had a couple of prs in there that are around um, pushing towards single single sided yield as well as order books, and so I think we're about like halfway through it or so on, on both of those uh, features and trying to get them onto the onto the main chain there uh, or available in the code rather rather than enabled. Um, there's a, some changes would be made around making the code work for multiple EVM chains. So we're now working we're working at AVAX, so a little a few extra kind of things are tied up in that sense. Um, there's also a push to uh, create like a minimum outbound fee for um, specifically for like any chain, but really it's geared towards B and B chain because B and B so cheap. And so we want to make sure that, that the the outbound fees are are high enough to to warrant the additional cost that it costs the network to send those kind of transactions. So putting a minimum fee of like a buck, I think, for like the outbound fees. That's what right. That's to to stop the uh, to, to stop the outbound transaction from, from being more expensive than the actual transaction itself on on something like BNB to protect against like 
like dust attacks or something like that and spam on the network. Yeah, it, that's that's part of it. Like it's it's more expensive for the network to to, to send. Uh, like the B and B chain itself is only only like charging you like two or three cents, right, to do it to next the actual B and B gas itself. But the network itself is spending more than that because it's got to use more computational resources to you, you know run get one of these Asgard to sign a transaction, which causes like you know eight rounds of signing and communications and that kind of stuff. And so it's it's. It's not like really cutting it in that sense, and so by putting it to a, a buck, it just makes it just ensures that enough fee is taken out that that it's it's uh, paying the the network where it needs to be paid in order to be uh, economically viable for the life long term. But also, like mostly, it's really just about making sure that the the internal transactions via sense is more economical than um, than uh, outbound transactions. Uh, just so we can get the ARBs kind of to ARB via sense instead of ARBing via like, right now they're doing it via BNB. It's largely because we we disabled like the half uh, half uh, swap fees a while back, and so we want to get the ARBs back onto using sense as the main mechanism to arbitrage these pools, and that just like significantly reduces the the weight or the pressure on Asgard to sign transactions significantly reduces the number of transactions they have to sign in a per day or per hour or whatever. And so we just want to get kind of pushing back to that, that, that place and, and it creates the correct incentives for our bots to, to use sense over uh, layer one transactions. Got it. So it makes it, it makes it cheaper for them again to use sense just like falling back to BNB chain again. So then that helps like, uh, push all that volume to sense, which gets like some of the load off off the off Asgard's and off the signing and just all, stuff like that, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, I think that's it. That's what's in ninety four, um, ninety five. We'll have some more things, of course, which we can get into in a bit. But um, yeah, the other thing that we've been talking about, uh, we started to talk about this publicly, uh, and we've been talking internally for much longer, is the idea of like as, um, backing up the TSS uh, key shares. So every week. Each node generates, you know, their own share of the of a TSS for some Asgard, and they're kind of the the onus is on them to to back that stuff up. So to make, to so that if they lost their node, got deleted, or something something terrible happens, I don't know, whatever happens happens, and they lost their TSS shares, that would also be bad because if you lose enough of those shares, the funds are locked up forever, right? Um, and so we wanted to do, to to we're discussing this idea. And it has to be kind of discussed publicly and, and people are welcome to, to voice their own perspectives, but is to like encrypt the TSS shares through several mechanisms actually, and then put them actually on chain, publicly on chain. So the shares themselves are on chain. So it, one, it proves that the Shia shares are backed up and they're, they're on chain. So they're on all other validator nodes and, plus, and also full nodes as well. So if something happened, you know, say AWS, you know, just killed you know, all the nodes, right? Like the AWS company decided to kill all the nodes. We wouldn't lose all those shares. Hypothetically, everybody should be backing up their shares like weekly, but we don't know that as a community with a certainty that, that node operators are actually doing that. Like, I don't know if they actually are not, you know, all I can say is if I'm running a node then I know I'm backing mine up, but I don't know if anybody else is. And so we want to have more assurances that, that those shares are, you know, available in case some crazy disaster scenario happens. Does that open up any like like are there kind of like attack angles potentially? Like is that why a lot more discussion needs to happen? Like by having those backed up on chain, like you're then what relying on like whatever encryption was used, I guess. I, I don't know the technical side, but I would yeah, imagine that so, opens up some risk. 
the, the part of the risk is like, one of the things we've been kind of concerned about or talking very much about is that like, well, what if there's a bug in the in the code and, and it doesn't actually encrypt it, it, just puts it in plain text <laughs> onto the chain? Like that would be <laughs> that would be pretty bad, right? Uh, but also, like, we don't know, um, you know, like it's not it's unknown whether or not any particular encryption technology or methodology is, has already been broken by, you know, the NSA or something like this. Like, you don't you don't actually definitively know this, even though like you know, AES encryption, like 128 bit is, you know, it's a common standard. That's what that's what governments use to encrypt their uh, highest secrets or whatever. Right. And we can encrypt. We've been talking about encrypting it like three times using three different encryption methodologies. Um, like I think Blowfish is one of them, you know, you know whatever. Right. Mostly our Thorsex team has been kind of thinking about this and, and, and trying to plan something. But um by putting it through three different encryptions, if if one of those is broken, then the other two are not right, and so you're you're still safe and you're still fine, and there's nothing to be to worry about. The the question just comes down to like this idea of like, well, what's more likely to happen, to, you know, to Torchain? Either a you know AWS decides to shut off you know all the nodes just one day because of some purpose or reason, or you know. AES encryption has been broken, which if that's the case, then like that breaks the world because <laughs> pretty much the entire world is reliant on that kind of encryption uh, you know, methodology. And even like if, if you think about the idea of like, well, is elliptical curve broken, right? Elliptical curve cryptography, which is what we use to, to you know, sign transactions and do the things that we do within crypto in general, starting from Bitcoin on. Uh, you know, what if, is that thing broken? Well, we don't know. Right. Probably not. We have every mathematical assurances that, it, that it's not. But like you can't definitively know the answer to that question other than the fact that like, well, it's not broken now because nobody's shown that they can break it. So we can assume that it's not broken. But can you really make that assumption? Right. So like we always rely on encryption publicly. Right. To make sure that my Bitcoin's safe or my ETH is safe or my you know transactions are legitimate rather than being forged. Right. So we always rely on these things. And the question is, here's what we're just relying on encryption again, but just relying on a different encryption than we typically rely on. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have any insight <laughs> to add on that, but it sounds like... It, it sounds it's like, a highly <laughs> technical question. Right. Uh, so I, I wouldn't imagine that a lot of people would have much to say on that other than just kind of their knee-jerk reaction or their gut gut reaction to the concept other than a, uh, an educated and informed perspective that understands the implications of both both sides of that kind of argument. Right. But that's where we kind of opened up the ADR004, which is this whole thing, which kind of states in, with, with, good, with good clarity of what this is while we're, while we're you know, talking about it and then get the nodes in the community to determine if they want to take this. Is the, does the pros outweigh the cons or the cons outweigh the pros? That's up for the community to decide what's in the best interest of the community. Do you, do you think that uh, something like this makes the, uh, the so that that new proposal that was put out to limit the amount of nodes that can exist on one type of cloud provider? Do you think that uh, this makes that sort of irrelevant if all the if all the TSS key shares are backed up? Because like really that would be to prevent uh, you know some kind of rug by AWS or, or Google or, or or something like that. So do, do you think that backing up the TSS key shares on chain encrypted uh, would make it so that is not really as needed? Yeah, it makes it um, 
like there's there's a few keys like keys that a node has. There's really three. One is the what's called the um, you could call it the cosmos key or the consensus key or however you want to determine it. That's how you're signing blocks itself. And then there's there's a node key, which is kind of what was your Unisol vault, but it's also used to generate the TSS shares for each churn. And then you have the TSS shares themselves. Each, each node has one TSS share. So there's like three keys that they each have. The first two you generate at the beginning of your node, and you can just back it up, and then you're done, right? Because those keys are unchangeable. They don't they don't change. They don't get rotated. They don't you know you can't even change them if you wanted to change them. You have to generate an entire new node. But the third one gets, you know, created every week, every time we do a churn, right? And so we can be pretty confident that, you know, nodes are backing up their node key and their consensus key because you don't have to do it once, right? When you set up the node to begin with and you never have to worry about it again, right? So that's pretty easy to do. But the TSS shares, like, you have to do that weekly. And that's like, well, maybe people are being lazy. Maybe we're not being lazy. Like, I don't know. And it would give me more confidence personally to know that, that they are backed up, right? Like, because I can, I can... I can cryptographically prove that they, that they've been, you know, well, at least I know that something has been encrypted and signed onto the chain, but I definitively can't prove that it is the actual T- TSS share because I can't actually see the share and prove it. But I can know that a node did something, they encrypted some text and they put it up on the chain. And I can see that they did that, but I can't tell what the text is or how, if it actually is a TSS share or not. But at least I know that they're, that that's happening, right? I mean, we're, we're writing the code ourselves that actually does it so. Assuming they're not running a malicious version or a modified version of the Thornote code or the Bifrost code, then we know that it's everything's backed up. And so, if anything were to happen, your nodes are able to re- reconstruct their node onto different infrastructure. Like if AWS sh- shut all those nodes down, all those people you know who lost their nodes, they can just reconstruct their node onto DigitalOcean or to bare metal or you know whatever makes the most sense given the climate of the moment and then reconstruct their node and then like everything just keeps on ticking right like everything it'll take a you know a week or so to do that but might have a week of downtime of the chain but while the network's basically attacked by aws but like it would just click back on you know a week later and continue trading and continue doing that what it does yeah i definitely like where the idea is coming from i mean it seems like a important fallback just to kind of protect against like another potential doomsday sort of scenario like to ensure funds don't get just locked up or something so um yeah i guess like if people that are listening to this like do have that expertise in encryption and security and stuff like that like uh maybe they can hop in the dev discord and uh, get some discussion going around this to be able to contribute thoughts things like that yeah that'd be great i mean and by the way like other projects that have tss or using tss like they have different approaches to this same problem like uh, you know i think chain flip um, has like backdoor keys so that the TSS shares are compromised or like lost because of something happens or whatever, you know, then they have like these kind of keys that are, uh, or they're like backdoors according to the white paper, um, to the, to the funds. So that's another way to do it. We could do that if everybody wanted to, but like, I, don't, I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think do so. <laughs> it's, not, it's not quite that. the style of this project, but, uh, <laughs> but like for us, it's better just like, just to, you know, Back it up program programmatically to make sure that to make nodes like the less you make nodes do, the less likely there's going to be problems, right? Less likely going to make human error. Less likely there's, there's something to go, less things to go wrong, right? In a sense, and so if we can make it autonomous and automatic and make everything about nodes be as hand off hands off as possible, so you don't touch anything, you don't need to do anything. Even if thing crashes, that thing restores itself. Like all these things, make it as 
dumb, you know, an idiot proof as we can possibly make it to ensure the the reliability of the service and resiliency of the service, I'm probably going to be for. Yeah, that's sweet. So that's ADR4, right? Yeah, it's ADR4. It's in the Discord. People are welcome to go in the Discord and, and just kind of read through the whole doc and kind of get, get a sense of it and voice your opinions, perspectives, you know, advocate for one angle or the other, whatever it is that community wants to do. But we felt that it was, it was worthwhile to kind of surface the concept and idea. Even internally, not everybody's like, 100% for it. I think people are kind of, you know, on the fence about it. Like they feel good about it and not good about it at the same time. It's like this kind of weird kind of middle around that everybody's just kind of like, mm, it's, it's, it's fine, but something about it just kind of feels a little icky in a sense or whatever. So it, it, this might be a kind of a controversial or, or, you know, you know, issue that people are going to argue for on one side or the other, but it's up to the community to decide in the end what they want to do. Right. There's pros and cons. Like you're on one hand, it's to eliminate a lot of potential risk, but on the other hand, it might introduce some amount of risk. So the, the key is to like understand what that trade off is and if it's worthwhile. So exactly. Exactly. Cool. Cool. Uh, published an article this week on the Thorchain medium, uh, from, from nine realms. We, we published an article about, uh, it's basically just like a, a rough uh, roadmap for Thorchain and like what was being worked on and what's being considered. So that that's pins as the top tweet up here. If you haven't checked out the article yet on Medium, uh, it was written mostly by uh, by Asian who's in the space here. Uh, so thanks to him for writing the majority of this article. Did a great job with it. Uh, talking about what's what's considered when thinking about new features on Thorchain. Uh, basically, security, liquidity, and and volume. Those are the the what we've dubbed the the, the pillars of scalability, and uh, we go into the proposed new features and how they affect uh, each of these pillars. So, some of these features, if you haven't read the article yet, um, talk a little bit about light nodes, um, a multi multi sig wallet being worked on by ThorSwap, uh, the single sided yield feature, which is obviously hotly discussed, and we're all really excited about. Uh, Dex aggregation, which we've been talking about for a long time, and we're just starting to see the beginnings of Dex aggregation on Thorchain uh, with the RC twenties. Um, new chain integrations. Uh, you know, obviously, everyone's always excited for new chain integrations, and we have some really great ones on the way, like like Avalanche, uh, and that that's wrapped up with Dex aggregation as well. And then we also have uh, wallet and Dex integrations, uh, the decentralized order book, and then lastly, Thorfi. So. That is that's pretty much the, uh, the 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 roadmap of what you know what what the core team in Nine Realms are kind of just working on. Uh, there's no particular order to things, but those are the 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 features which are you know being considered and actively worked on at, at the moment. So definitely check out the article if you haven't. If you're curious on what's being worked on in the in the Thorchain world right now and the, what the benefits are to Thorchain itself and uh, just to stay up to date with what's happening. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, again, shout out to to Asian. Uh, definitely give him a follow if you're not already. He's he's in here right now. Maybe you can wave your your emoji hand or something. <laughs> but yeah, that was a really good like just overview of like where things are headed. So good article just for like people that may may not be, you know, coming on spaces every single week but want to know like where things are headed. So that'll I'm sure it'll get a lot of shares and stuff. Yeah, and those features are like mega huge by the way. <laughs> those features are like 
pretty big in terms of their implications and what they can do for the industry. And those things, I'm, I'm super excited about those those features. They're, they're, they're game changers. It's a lot of them too. It's not, it's not like it's just like, you know, three or four like really nice features. There's there's like a, a, like almost a dozen features there that's uh, pretty nice for that. Uh, well, will affect uh, the network very positively once implemented. Yeah. And it, you know, I can kind of like brag a little bit just because I, I feel so uh, proud of this project and what we're doing as a community, but like the amount of like innovation that this project has done with, even within just the A&M space is like, it blows away everything that ever, like anybody's doing in any other AMM on any other ecosystem, like by a good margin, like the way that we, even just our, our initial kind of innovation of doing this kind of cross chain native assets thing, like that was in my eyes, probably the, one of the biggest and most important innovations in the AMM space since the start of it, you know, in, in 20, I think 2016 or so whatever it was. And then to go beyond that and, and say that, okay, we're getting, we're now, you know, building, uh, you know, cross-chain dex aggregations and and being able to get yield on a single asset rather than just two assets. Like that's both of those things individually are really huge. And then building a order book that is a hybrid between order books and AMMs and giving you the power of both capabilities that just merge together in a way that just benefit each other significantly. Like that is also like a major innovation. Like what we're doing. Like, there's nobody else is even close in, in the space of like how much innovation, how much we're kind of pushing the envelope, how much we're like reinventing what AMMs even define or look like. So speaking of some of that, Chad, uh, I'm I'm curious to see what your thoughts, like now that a couple months have passed, uh, it seems like everyone's trying to uh, introduce their own stable coin now. And, you know, while, while months ago we were, we were talking about, you know, the, the Thorchain stable coin and, uh, you know, lending and borrowing and, and uh, single-sided assets, and uh, you know, people were really scared of that. But now it seems like everyone, is, every single DeFi protocol is introducing their own uh, stablecoin. So I'm wondering if you have, uh, like, what are your thoughts on on DorFi now that uh, that that a few months have passed? Are you considering uh, some changes to it? Or are you just letting it rest for now and, and uh, working on uh, yeah things like single-sided yield? Yeah, I mean, it's on pause for now so we can work on other features, like the single-sided yield, for example, like you just said. But, like, because those are big features and they're, and they're worth obviously worth the time and energy by by, good, by a lot. But, yeah, seeing all these different stablecoins being launched via, you know, Aave and other ones. Um, and from what I've seen thus far, and maybe I've missed one or two or, or whatever, but, like, they just uh, appear to me just to be kind of like, you know, die clones. And there's not much to them that's that's unique or different or innovative or novel in which case if that's the case then like what's the point i'm not really sure you know like i was i pushed against doing stables uh on thorchain for a long time just because um i didn't see the point and i didn't see what the innovation was like if we could we could just build a die clone and, and get on with it like that's fine i guess but like there's, there's nothing new there and it was you know so it doesn't really excite me personally or something that's really going to contribute much value if it already exists right so like what i see people doing is the trying to get on this bandwagon of, of stables uh, for a reason that I don't really quite understand, especially in the Ethereum space. Like if you're just going to create a die clone, then why, why create it at all? Like, I don't understand the, the point of it. Um, but just to use friggin' die if you want to use something that's designed in the die methodology. But for us, like we would change my mind is that it was two things. One, a reason why we need staples on Thorchain, which was the, the lending design, the newest lending design kind of required some sort of stable accounting. Uh, and the second thing was like, I realized that 
um, that our design for a stable was not just a, uh, a clone of something else, but, but novel and interesting and different and much more resilient than other ones have been in the past. In fact, it's so, it's so resilient that like that it's pegged to the dollar which would inherently be mathematically have to be, um, uh, closer to the dollar than any other stable in the industry. Like it'd have to be better pegged to the dollar than, Tether or USDC or DAI or, you know, FRAX or BUSD or any of these things. Mathematically, it has to be just, just, just by how the design works. And so you would actually naturally create a, a, a stable coin that's more stable than any other stable coin in the industry, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm excited for when we can finally revisit ThorFi, but uh, we got so many other things uh, that, are, that are coming before ThorFi. So uh, obviously, single side yield, probably one of the biggest a- AVAX, uh, finally get that low cost EVM chain on, on Thor chain. That's just going to be awesome. Yeah. I mean, look for the Thorfi stuff. Once we get past the single sided yield and get that kind of, um, done, um, or maybe even just not even like launch, but necessarily, but just even just merged, like the code done, you know, and testing on stage nine, the same thing for order books. Like once those two things are done, then the next biggest thing on my radar, at least, is the store file. And I think the natural thing to do at that time is to uh, propose a vote, uh, a symbolic vote with the with the node operators of like, uh, you know, do we want to move forward with this or not? Right. And the, if the community says move forward, then, you know, we can move forward. And if it says, no, we don't want to do this, then we don't do this. Right. And so I think once those two major features are kind of like landed, at least, you know, on on the from a code perspective, I mean, we can probably start kind of open up a conversation, maybe an ADR. I'm not sure how, what the structure would look like, but like just kind of start a conversation again, open up that conversation about ThorFi and, and all these things and then. People can kind of argue and, and debate, and uh, once again, and if it doesn't pass, then you know we won't do it, right? The, the community has voted, and the community's opinion matters. Sweet, should we uh, open up some questions? Like, unless you guys got other things that uh, we want to talk about, I'll ask an annoying one just in in the meantime, since I feel like we've never even discussed like even a estimated timeline on a couple of those features, like. Do you have any sense of like when we might see things like like the um, order book and? Um, Wow, having a brain fart. What was the other thing we were just talking about? The other single side big, of yeah, single, single side, side of you. Um, yeah, like if if you had to even like a super rough estimate, obviously nobody should take this as official. But what do you? Yeah, think? so uh, I was working on single sided for a while, and um, after diving the code, required a change that was a little bit tricky or uh, required to be backwards compatible in a way that was kind of hard to verify, and so it, it took. You just sync a node to the tip from scratch, basically, to verify that the, the coaching was safe. And that process by itself was like two weeks. And that took a long time, obviously. That kind of delayed things a few weeks just because I was waiting for the, the, the branch to sync to the tip and make sure everything is still, you don't have any consensus failures or anything like this. And then uh, I ran into this weird smoke test problem. Smoke tests are like really, um, also, so somebody you know, doesn't know. Smoke tests is a second implementation of Thorchain in a literal sense, written in Python, that is the same logic, the same business logic as Thorchain. And then we when we make any kind of code changes, we launch an actual Thor node and then this secondary smoke test thing we we, we called Heimdall for a while at least. And then you run transactions through both of them and then then check that they both agree with each other about 
you know, the size of the pools and how much balance is this, blah, blah, blah. And Midgard is like this, blah, blah, blah. And so, like, it, it, it simulates two Thor chains, two mutations of Thor chain to, to ensure that there's no uh, problems, right? Uh, kind of similar how, like, in Ethereum world, they have, like, multiple clients. Like, Geth is just one of the, I think, five or six, six different clients of, of Ethereum. And they use that as a way to protect themselves from uh, significant bugs or issues. We effectively do the same. We actually build ThorChain twice in a literal sense uh, to verify. Anyways, that 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 smoke test code is really difficult and complex because it's it's different structured. You can't really build a. Well, I'm not gonna get the details of that, but it, it just took days to figure out what this weird kind of edge case scenario thing was happening. It took me forever <laughs> to, to to like nail it down. It was such a pain in the nuts. But uh, finally, you figured it out after like three or four days. <laughs> it was so painful, though. Um, so that's just moving a lot slower than I originally thought it was going to move. But single chain, the second PR of three is already open and being reviewed. And then the last PR, which should be pretty easy, I think, um, which is just generating the actual yield for um, people who lock up their assets. Um, that's going to be happening in the next PR, which is the final PR for this entire feature. So. I'm hoping that the single single side will be merged to the to the develop branch, the main branch, and on, on Git within the next uh, two weeks, three weeks, maybe. I'm guessing, um, and then it'll be launched on StageNet, and which people can start playing with it on StageNet, and we it goes through its vetting process and testing and all these kind of things. Um, and then once that's done, we go ahead and enable it on on mainnet. Maybe two weeks later or four weeks later, I'm not really sure. That it, it just depends on how the testing is going and how many uh, bug fixes there are or, or whatnot. Uh, and then on the uh, order book side, I've been working on that uh, in, uh, in parallel uh, while I was waiting for those two weeks of the thing to be figured out whether it's it's fine or not. Uh, that also, the second PR is done, uh, second of three. So that one's done. It's being reviewed currently. It'll probably be merged uh, next week uh, at some point. And then the last PR is the last part which will probably another two weeks. Actually, they'll probably land about the same time, come to think of it. They'll probably both will be, will be done at the same time uh, in terms of the code and, and merge into the master branch and then probably deployed onto StageNet more or less at the same time. Um, but we'll probably launch a uh, single-sided single yield first on mainnet uh, with a cap, probably a cap to the amount of room that the network is from the reserve is willing to deploy to the pools just to kind of start small and make sure things kind of works where we think it works and then kind of scale up over time. And then we can, we can enable order books, uh, you know, maybe a couple of weeks after that. Does that answer the question? Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, exciting how, how many big features are like right around the corner and, um, just to get them on stage. And that is really like the, the key part, like just to, so that we can start really testing it and, you know, making sure that everything's working properly and all that. And then I think all the community is like, fully in favor of that kind of baking for however long it takes. Um, but it's cool just to be able to like know that the, the code is shipped and it's like working and usable and just going through that final testing. So pretty cool to hear that that's, you know, within weeks or so. You know, what's kind of funny is uh, my, my wife was buying an, an AC unit uh, <laughs> from this random guy on like Facebook marketplace. And it turns out that guy is like part of a major fund, <laughs> crypto fund, just a pure, 
uh, you know, coincidence. And so, like, I, I went to his, his house uh, earlier today to, to help my and get the AC unit, you know, for, for my wife. And, and and he didn't know who I was, obviously, because it's just some random dude coming to his apartment or whatever. And we started chatting, and I started telling him about, uh, like, I worked on worked on Thorchain, blah, 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 and explain what Thorchain is to him. And I started to explain to him the single-sided yield concept, you know, and he was just like, like, it took him a while to understand it just because, like, even just... He didn't know you know what a Thorchain was, so like he had to, he had to like program his brain to understand the concept of like a multi-chain system DeFi product. Like that by itself required a little time to kind of like oh wow, it's like DeFi that works across multiple. Ch-. Like even that had to take take a minute for that to like kind of sink in, you know. And so like I was trying to get him there, but like he was very excited about it. It was kind of funny, by the way. That's hilarious. There's something really funny about imagining like listing something on Facebook Marketplace and Chad Bearford showing up to like your house. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it's funny because like uh, my wife told him that I'm in crypto, but she didn't tell him like, you know, what it is that I do within crypto. She, so he, I think he just thought that I was just like, I'm a guy who like, you know, bought some Bitcoin or something like this. <laughs> Buy some NFTs. Yeah, like something like this, not realizing that like, oh, no, this is the guy who actually, you know, built one of the you know, most important DeFi projects in, in the industry. <laughs> Sweet. So well, as we get some people up, people have questions. Uh, I think this guy, Deeb's DeFi has been waiting. Yeah, let's do it. Anyone else, feel free to feel free to request. We'll get through. We should be able to get through everybody. So uh, just hit the request button. Hey, what's up, Deeb's? Hey there. Yeah, sorry. It always cuts out the moment uh, it gives me speaker access. So I'm sure you called every time. But uh, thank you. Um, just question here. So I, I usually cover like weekly updates, um, kind of what's going on inside Cosmos. Obviously, Thorchain, you know, has a pretty strong connection to Cosmos. Uh, a tweet that I saw recently um, from Nine Realms was just replying to something. I don't know if you all have any um, insider info on this, but was basically, you know, talking about a potential integration with osmosis uh, in the future, which obviously, you know, would have big implications, you know, kind of connecting native assets that you have on ThorChain um, over to os- osmosis zone. So I, I didn't know if there's anything that you all want to talk about that maybe in the scope of the paper you brought up here with future chain integrations. Um so yeah, I'll just leave it there for my first question. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely interested in, in integrating with Cosmos uh, for host reasons, but I'm oh, sorry, with Osmosis for host reasons. But one of them, obviously, is is you know being we're trying to push this kind of like dex aggregation concept where we want to, we want to, we want every single dex in every single ecosystem to to, to be able to connect not only just with our decks, but other people's decks as well. Like every decks with every other decks, and Osmosis is obviously like. Uh, at least in my opinion, the the leading decks in the um, the Cosmos space, and for a good reason too. It's a good it's a good project, right? Good team behind it. Um, whether that happens or not is a different thing, right? Um, first, we have to create a Osmosis, you know, chain integration, which isn't too hard by itself. But generally speaking, when we do that, we, we'd like to have a relationship with um, the team over over Osmosis and in the community. Which, to be honest, like hasn't been, you know, all that warm uh, for for some reason. Right? To be honest, I'm not even quite sure why. Maybe it's because the Osmosis community made a vote. Like I think it was like four months ago or five months ago that they were going to use Axelar as their, you know, uh, as their kind of bridge to other 
ecosystems for Ethereum and, and I think they just recently launched uh, Moonbeam support for, for Polkadot, which is great. Um, so I don't know if they just kind of like, they made their determination how they're going to move forward and that's what that's what it's going to be. And if that's the case, then that's what it is. The community has voted and that's fine. But uh, in any case, we would like to, uh, I would still like to integrate at, uh, either way and still connect it to them and then use them as an, as an outbound, a swap out kind of a location so that you can swap to you know any any cosmos cosmos asset um so in order to do that we we don't really need the permission to do that on the osmosis chain itself we can just do that on our own without without their assistance or, or approval um but we do need their approval on the on the declaration aspect to it because from what i understand uh cosmosm apps need to be approved to be, to be deployed onto uh osmosis not sounds like anybody can deploy a contract just like you can on Ethereum, you have to go through an approval process. Which I actually like that design, by the way. I think it's actually a really interesting way of doing it and, and probably inherently more secure because of it. But um, we'd have to go through that process. And I'm not sure how warm or cold they would be to allowing us to do that. If, if they were self-interested, they would allow it anyway, just it just means more trade volume for them. So, uh, or, you know, it would be a beneficial thing for us more just for sure, uh, if you look at it from just a pure objective and mathematical perspective. But whether they'll kind of allow that or not, that's up to the community to, to decide it. Yeah, it definitely you, doesn't you seem like wrong. it's they're too interested. Like, just, just from the, the warmness perspective, uh, you know, it, they're not clamoring to get a, a ThorChain integration, which, which seems, you know, foolish, obviously, because, you know, with their Axelar integration, it doesn't include any of the, the ETXO chains that is on, uh, that's available with, with ThorChain. Uh, but I mean, we, we would definitely love to support, help support that integration. So if anyone from, uh, you know, or anyone from osmosis or connected fiber with osmosis, uh, you can definitely get in touch with the nine realms because we were definitely interested in aggregating through those pools. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're totally fine. And it's a great answer. You know, a lot of us, you know, we don't really get that perspective to know how those conversations are going behind closed doors, but, um, yeah, no, I think it's silly to, to not, um, you know, at least welcome it or, or have that conversation. And the other thing I was just taking a look at Osmosis Zone is, and, and I don't know if it's something potentially that they're looking to the future with Axelar Core to do in terms of bridging, but, you know, as of right now, they only have wrapped assets from Ethereum, um, which, you know, you compare that to ThorChain and you think about the native asset concept seems fundamentally different in my, in my opinion, but, um, <laughs> yeah exactly You're well to be right. fair like all of their assets are wrapped assets right ibc is a wrapped asset style of bridge you're locking up assets on one side on the source chain and then you're minting a new you know asset on the target chain that is a wrapped asset right so everything is wrapped within the osmosis world and and if those that community is okay with that then that that's fine with me like you know different strokes different folks There's something wrong with that right um but you know obviously we don't like the concept of wrapped assets could be fine that I, I find them to be economically insecurity you cannot ensure security economic security at all with those things and so that's why we've kind of uh stayed clear of them so you know i i just hope they they um see the value what we can do for them like and actually improve their uh trade volume and get a higher yield for their their lps and all this kind of stuff like we can push that we can help them and we can help each other like this is a mutually beneficial thing for for thorchain as it is for them so it, it, there's no reason not to other than just you know hurt feelings or or something that i'm not even aware of yeah, a uh, quick related question to that. Um, Chad, I saw you had a tweet just yesterday saying uh, you've done the work for IBC integration. Looks like we need a coordinated update to deploy, which we do every six to 12 months. 
Um, I'm, I'm curious, like, could you kind of explain what, what that specifically is referring to? Yeah. So like, um, Thor chain, when it first was being built, was being built at a, at a very early time within the cosmos world. Right. It's one of like the earliest cosmos apps in, in some, in some respect. And there's a bunch of different modules within the cosmos SDK that do various things. There's one for staking. There's one for banking. There's one for like, this is tons of them. Right. And we have, you know, haven't used a lot of those built in modules. We used, you know, other modules for ourselves just because what we're trying to build is different than a regular Cosmos application. And it has different requirements, design requirements. And so we had to kind of roll our own staking module, for example, because initially the asset that you were staking was was BNB Rune, which was not an asset on ThorChain is an asset on Binance, and so we had to build our own staking module that was that would allow external assets to be staked instead of like an internal asset, just for one example. And so, because we don't utilize you know, a bunch of those kind of uh, built-in modules that most Cosmos apps use, uh, IBC requires some of those modules, and so we had to like implement some of those mo- modules in kind of like a half way, just to, just so that the wires can be connect to each other in a sense. And so, but doing so would cause a consensus failure if we were just to deploy today. And so in order to do it safely, you have to do it during a hard fork where you basically like the whole chain pauses at block height, you know, 10,000 or some number, and then all the nodes upgrade to version, whatever that version is, version two or whatever the hell it's going to be called. And then everybody starts at the same time. That way everybody uh, has the same consensus of what happened in that particular block. And so, yeah, and I've already done the work. For that, you know, and I'm, and I'm, to be and to be fair, as a project, we've been kind of like warm and cold to the whole IBC on and off at different points for different reasonings at different times. Um, I'm all for using IBC for like the rune asset or any native assets on Thorchain. That's perfectly fine with me. I'm not okay with putting it in our liquidity pools because that would be taking in a wrapped asset as the you know asset instead of the actual asset, um, and then taking on additional risks of like having two different different bridges instead of one bridge like it's already hard enough to to like to manage the one bridge we have because there's so many different chains to add another bridge on top of that just kind of increases the surface area of of security and maintenance that less like it just makes it even more difficult and this is probably just not worth it to be honest with you. i mean especially when bifrost does what it does just as well as as ibc does you know um in terms of being able to you know make movements so like that may happen at the next hard fork, possibly, but internally within the OG and the Nine Realms team, like this very split around, like some people are for enabling NFC and some people were against it. And so I, I don't really know if it actually will happen or will not happen, but I've spent the time personally to write the code to make it so that it's an option on the table for, the, for, for us to take or not take. Sweet. All right. Let's go to uh, Borat and get a very nice. Yagjimash. My name is Borat. Nice to meet. I have a very quick questions about uh, the Tor chain. I like a uh, Tor chain, my favorite chain. I uh, want to ask about the stable coins. Um, how make sure a stable coin does not uh, eat the dust like the Luna coin? Because uh, the Thor chain's my favorite chain. I not wear any gold chain. I not wear silver chain. I only wear Thor chain, and I don't want it crash. I want it safe, and uh, I scared. <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, <laughs> that's a good question from a, a good good first nation. Um, 
Yeah. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of how I can put this. Um, okay. There's a few things to keep in mind in this context. Uh, one is people lose sight of what a secondary market is, right? So think about it this way. When you're when you're maintaining UST, for example, you have the ability to burn and mint UST, which is done on the Luna chain. But then you have UST that's being sold on secondary markets, like Curve, for example, right? Curve does not actually maintain the peg, right? The primary market does. UST, uh, Luna does, right? The Terra network does, not the secondary network, right? So the secondary network can, can buy and sell UST at whatever price the market wants to buy it at. It has no relationship to what the peg actually is, right? Other than just arbitrage bots trying to arbitrage. And so what ends up happening is in a secondary market, if the sell pressure is greater than the, the capital of an ARB bot, then you have what we, what we see as a DPEG, right? But not necessarily an actual DPEG, right? If something, if you, if I buy a Mac and then I sell it on Facebook Marketplace for $300 less, it doesn't mean that the Mac is like depegged, right? You can still buy it. Do you know what I mean? And so, yes. Uh, does that mean uh, the Tor USD only on Tor chain and nowhere else? Yes. So the part one of the design ideas is that there's no secondary market, right? So the only place you can buy and sell uh, what we call a Tor T O R Tor tokens would be on the Tor chain on Tor chain itself. In which case, it can mathematically guarantee. That it is always redeemable for you know one dollar because in our network what's what's unique about us is that we are we have liquidity for for BUSD and for Tether and for USDC and, and even you know Bitcoin and ETH whatever else and so because it does not matter what the price of Rune is you can always redeem for one dollar here to one dollar there even if the Rune's price goes way up or way down mathematically it always ensures it so the peg can never actually be broken from a mathematical perspective within the primary market unless you get to situations where the uh, the value of UST uh, USDT or or BUSD gets broken or something like this in which case redeeming you know one you don't get redeemed one to one you get redeemed like 1.2 to one or 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 some kind of like different ratio other than 1.1 but the only thing that's required to maintain that is just arbitrage on the secondary on those other markets right meaning BUSD Tether Bitcoin as long as our bots are still arbing the pools as they stand today then that's the only thing that's required Right, which we'd see that just naturally, just through the natural economic pressures of how these assets are, are, are behave. So uh, there's also that part, and then the third part is that what can happen is a, with a, with an algo stable is that the non-volatile asset outweighs the volatile asset, and you become we can we, we refer to it internally as like a being becoming top heavy, right? Meaning that like. If the DPEG happens and then there's this massive FUD event and then everybody starts dumping like crazy, well, if the non-volatile asset's worth, you know, $50 billion and your volatile asset is worth like $1 billion, then you can see what's going to happen there. So, but if the volatile, non-volatile asset's like, you know, relatively very small, it's what the volatile asset is, then it doesn't really have much of an effect at all, right? And so in ThorChain's case, like, there's no fixed rate. 20% interest to create this massive incentive to, to overinflate the market cap of, of the, the, the vol- non-volatile asset. The asset has no uh, actual yield opportunities on the network itself. Definitely, we could, we could give a yield opportunity, but as long as it's not fixed rate and it's just like variable rate, so it just kind of it measures, it kind of uh, modifies itself just by the by the interest rate changing. You don't want to worry right. about this. Yeah, you don't have to worry about getting into this top-heavy state where the, like the a DPEG event would cause the whole thing to collapse, blah, blah, whatever. Unlike I say, 
It's a great idea, as long as keep uh, Thorchain safe, uh, if you make it happen, uh, you will have, when we visit, uh, my sister, number two prostitute, you get a free time with her if you like. And thank you very much. Yakjimash. Have a great day. <laughs> You're welcome. We'll talk more about this, kind of have more conversations and, and you know, within the community as we get closer to, this, to the discussion again. That was incredible. <laughs> All right, let's go to Kenton. What's up? Uh, there we go. Sorry. Sorry. I don't know how I can follow that up. Um, uh, thanks for doing this, guys. Um, a question about uh, Rune, how Rune derives its price. It, uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it gets there from the BUSD pool or or the average of the stablecoin pools. And then if take, so, what happens the, the okay. median, the median, not the average. Do you know what I mean okay. by that? Yeah. yeah. The, what would happen if, say, regulation comes along and, you know, the the uh, those the Binance and, and uh, the UCC, the Tether pull everything, those, it gets frozen. What would happen then? Uh, and so in that case, we would just kind of delist those, not delist the token from the network necessarily, but like just in the taking the, the, the meeting of these just call it six pools of various different stable coins from various different, you know, chains. We just say, all right, we're going to remove, you know, BUSD and Tether or whatever the ones. And then we have the four remaining. The four remaining, you mean like Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever? Coin? No, four remaining is in like the other ones, Frax, DAI, I don't know, whatever, you know, whatever the other stables are. Oh, uh, okay. But, but we, but Thorchain does need a stable coin pool in order to derive a price for Rune. Correct. It does need some kind of stablecoin pool out there. And it doesn't matter if it's, stable, if it's essentialized or decentralized, as long as it just maintains the peg to a dollar, which is why we couldn't use Rye, because Rye doesn't peg to a dollar. But, like, but like, you know, anything out there, it could be, you know, MIM, it could be DAI, it could be this. And that, honestly, the, the more you add, the, the better it is. Fair, of course. Okay, so sorry for this probably dumb question. Why couldn't you use the Bitcoin pool or Ethereum pool or, or like a non-stable coin pool to figure it out. Why well, could you use a Bitcoin pool to figure out what the, what the dollar price of Rune is? Yeah. Uh, well, because the, the Bitcoin pool and ETH pools and those kind of things aren't relational to the dollar. And so we were trying to figure out, you know, you know, how much Rune is this $1 buy today. And so the Bitcoin pool wouldn't tell us that or Ethereum or any of these other assets it has to be something that is actually pegged to the dollar. And then we can look at the ratio between you know, stablecoin um, uh, tokens in the stablecoin pool versus how much runes in the pool, and then you have a ratio between the two. So now, from that, you can determine, you know, how many how many rune is equal to one dollar. You know, zero point five six seven eight nine whatever the hell the number is. And so you, you have each one of these individual stablecoin pools, you have a ratio. They're all pretty close to each other, probably. If any, if there's any kind of outliers, that one gets depegged, like USDD or something like this, or UST or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, that one just kind of gets dropped because it's usually the median of those pools, not the average. So, but in theory, so you could use, say, the Bitcoin pool, but then you'd have to price Rune in Bitcoin, not in dollars. Yeah. So, like, hypothetically speaking, just to kind of talk it through more, um, the network, when using its its lending platform, it's the debt asset, the thing that signature effectively receiving or the thing that the network is accounting that you're receiving, which you actually might receive Bitcoin on either side, depending on how you want to configure it. But like the thing that you're receiving is a stable coin. Now, if the network said uh, the debt asset is not going to be a stable coin, the debt assets going to be, 
you know, Bitcoin, right? In which case, the network would want to use the Bitcoin pool to determine how much how much Bitcoin is in one room, how much room is in one Bitcoin, or whatever, right? And then it could then you could do that. But because the debt asset is is targeted to be a stable asset, and there's reasons why lending uh, wants a, a stable. Um, Asset as it's as it's debt asset, uh, you want to use uh, stables. And they, in that mm-hmm. case, like what's interesting about the Bitcoin case is that, like, because you have Bitcoin on the network, we don't have fiat on the network, right? We actually don't know. There's no practical way to get actual fiat on Thorchain for obvious reasons. So we have to use these kind of like these kind of different assets that represent the fiat. And then can, can, because we can't trust any one of them, we want to get a bunch of them, and then we put them together, we get a median of, the, of them all, and we know our answer. But if for Bitcoin, we wouldn't need to do Bitcoin plus WBDC plus UTBDC plus whatever other other wrap, you know, AVAX BDC, whatever, whatever the hell it's called. Like, we wouldn't need to do that because we actually have the real asset, which is Bitcoin, and so we would just get it for that one pool. <laughs> okay, cool. So... I'm assuming you guys have thought this through. So like, what if, like, I'm just trying to think of like a doomsday scenario that all these stable coins for whatever reason, um, you know, they want to stop being prevented trading on DEXs. What would, what would happen to Thorchain or how would, how would, how would we get around that or fix that? If for some reason, all the stable coin pools, um, all those assets got frozen. Yeah. So in that hypothetical scenario, the network would, would want to respond by, uh, by it has a list of, of of pools that that it's getting the median from, and that might be a list of like we'll just call it six pools for example. I think that's going to be a growing list over time, but like we'll just call it six. So if two of them are central centralized stablecoins like Tether USD and USDC, and those got frozen because of some regulatory thing that's happening or whatever it is, then uh, a, a, probably a mere admin. Would be able to just like, drop those two, um, those two pools from the from the. Cons- I mean, even in that scenario, it'd still be fine because only two were being taken out out of the six, and so because you're getting a median, you know, you would you would be still be fine. You still get the correct price, and everything would be. You can just be be fine. Just but the a Mamir admin or the node Mamirs can just go ahead and say, let's read, you know, take the six and, and cut it down to four because those other two are you know not working out so well. Blah blah blah. And so, even in that scenario, it'd still be fine. It would only become a problem if, 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 uh, like fifty-one percent of the stables broke simultaneously in the same, you know, minute or whatever. Because if, if things, if one of them breaks and then another one breaks ten minutes later, another breaks ten minutes later, and one breaks, like that gives time for the community to say, okay, let's just drop that one from the calculus. Let's okay, let's drop this next one from the calculus, and that would be absolutely safe. It would become a problem if. Fifty-one percent of the stable coins on Thorchain all get f- fucked for some reason. Something happens, like you know, who knows what that would be? Just something happens. In which case, we would have to, you know, the the nodes themselves or or the uh, have to just kind of pause lending just for one second, so you can't open new loans or close loans temporarily, or just pause, like minting and burning of 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 the Tor token until we establish the new set of okay, instead of having these six. You know, four of the six got completely, you know, boinked. So there's two remaining. Let's go ahead with that. Or if all six got fucked, you know, and there's some other seventh token that exists or whatever the hell that is, we can go ahead and add that one and then continue on. Right. It, it doesn't make the assumption that there is some stable coin in the world somewhere on some ecosystem that is healthy, that is fine, that is working. That is actually that maintains its peg and is not a, a, a clusterfuck. 
Okay, so you're you're saying that there will be some some stablecoin somewhere to be able to use. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I was actually I was asking one of my questions, not even in the context of Thorfi, just Thorchain as as it is today, uh, without Thorfi, um, how Thorchain would would address that issue. Um, oh, okay. Oh, sorry, let me ask, answer that question. So, yeah. hypothetical scenario that that you know. USDC gets gets frozen on our you know on our addresses the network has yeah, yeah. like um, all, all the stablecoin pools or you know it's just like man what do we do now yeah I mean I, I think what would have to have to happen is uh, we'd have to pause the chain well, for Ethereum in this case right temporarily make a code change that basically sets the amount of USDC in the network to zero right and then allow and then Ragnarok those pools right so we just we get kind of the network forgets that the USDC even exists within itself, and then there's up, you know, all these people have, you know, ruin in the pool, and then similar to how we do the, with the terror pools, we Ragnarok the chain, you know, Ragnarok the pools rather, uh, and then like all the LPs get their rune back, and we just kind of carry on. Would so you know the, one of the things with Thorchain is you know doesn't use oracles, and that's what makes it better and, and all that, and it's great. Would you? Like to me, it seems like relying on the stablecoin pools is kind of the Achilles heel of of Thorchain. Is that is that a fair assessment? Or well, no. So the it does not rely on on, on the stablecoin pools and its current implementation, but Thorfi uh, has a has a relationship. So like if it, I don't care about stablecoins today, and and we could probably get rid of them entirely in the network today, and that would be fine. With the exception of they're they're heavily utilized by by uh, our bots, and so we want them to keep them around just to help our bots do what they do. Uh, but uh, outside of that, we we could probably just kill them all today, and, and everything would just keep on ticking. Not much of a okay, problem. So that's that was sorry. That was my original question. How like um, how would Thorchain work without the stablecoin pools? Would it work just fine? There'd be no issue. Yeah, there'd there. be no issue whatsoever. But okay. in, in the context of Thorfi, well, that changes things. And so Thor, in Thorfi's case, we, we have our stablecoin, which is based upon other stablecoins. And so we need, you know, functional, you know, usable stablecoins on the network in that co- in that context. And so that just goes into the conversation of like, does the community want Thorfi or not? Right. And they can vote in another direction, whatever the hell they feel like. But that's just a thing that people should be aware of and, and be conscious of and, and discuss. Got it. Okay. I got it. So sorry, sorry for being dense. Then let's just go back to, to non Thor, no Thorfi, just Thorchain. How would Thorchain protocol today work without the stablecoin pools? Like how do you get the price of rune? How does it all make sense? Well, you um, don't, you don't need the price of rune within Thorchain today. It doesn't matter what the price of rune is. The yeah, price you'd of be able to make a, a Bitcoin to Ethereum swap. And you'd have the same exact prices as you do today. Got it. The thing is, it would still have value because Bitcoin and Ethereum have value outside of the network, right? So then there's still a pool of Bitcoin and Rune and ETH and Rune. And so Rune is has a value in comparison to those, but the network doesn't necessarily need to know like the the dollar price, right? Some of the some of the UIs do like the, the UIs will use the stablecoin pools, specifically the, the BUSD pool because it's the deepest. Um, to tell like the UI what the price of a dollar is, the price of a rune is, and what the price of these assets are in dollar terms. So it's it's utilized by like ThorSwap and other UIs, but they don't have to. Then they, they can just look it up on CoinMarketCap or or some you know something like this too. It doesn't really doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, I suppose without 
um, without stable coins, like a UI could like say anchor it to like the Bitcoin price or something, right? Like, cause it could be like, oh, well, Bitcoin is worth this, this much outside of the network and Rune is worth this much in terms of Bitcoin. Therefore, like we can display like essentially accurate dollar prices, even though it's not like from the network specifically, but it's like, you know, for a UI purpose. Okay, I think that's great. I think that's awesome, guys. Thank you. I think my confusion came with the with Thorfi coming out and talking about how to derive a, a value using the stablecoin pools. I was confusing that with that's how Thorchain itself without Thorfi prices room. But yeah, and by the way, like the the design of the network in general has always been since the beginning. To, to be, have like no dependencies, right? It has no external yeah. dependency. I mean, it might utilize Bitcoin and Ethereum like skins, but it's not dependent upon it. Like it, you could remove Bitcoin or Ethereum today and, and the network would continue on ticking without an issue. And that's the same thing with the stablecoin pools too. It has no dependencies on any of these pools or anything outside of itself. It, it just, it's entirely self-reliant, which which saves it from like contagion effects where some protocol fails because they got exploited, you know, like take, take Os- osmosis, for example, we were just talking about earlier, like they rely on Axelar to provide these assets and maintain the value of them. And so in a hypothetical scenario where Axelar gets exploited or, or something happens, you know, not that I'm wishing that would happen, of course, like I hope everything goes great, but like then, you know, osmosis, as in a contagion effect, it's highly affected by it, and it can be problematic for for their you know their system. The same thing with like UST when it failed and Terra failed, Luna failed. Like they had a contagion effect. Like a bunch of other projects, DeFi projects, collapse with Terra, even though they're not really part of Terra. Like they have a reliance on it, right? They were dependent upon it, and so when it failed, inherently they failed. And so in, in an attempt to, to, to for Thorchain to like contain itself and protect itself from contagion effects of other protocols, prices, assets, whatever, anything can happen, and the network will be completely fine. Even in the case of Terra completely collapsing. We were completely fine. We handle it. I think we handle it actually quite well, especially relative to the rest of the industry. And so Thorfi creates a new kind of concept of like being dependent upon stables in general, but not depending upon the UST or USDT or or anything in particular, but just like the industry as a whole of like making the state the assumption that the that the industry as a whole can provide a stable coin that is you know, stable, right? That is not you know going to depeg at least not a vast majority of them at the same second, right? That's awesome. Uh, really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I'll sign off here. Thanks for the really good questions. And yeah, I'm glad we kind of clarified the Thorfi versus non-Thorfi scenarios for that. Oh, uh, one, more, one more thing, by the way, guys, when Terra was collapsing and Chainlink was like telling dif- different DeFi projects what the price of Luna was, it stopped at 10 cents, right? If I remember correctly. And so like it was broadcasting to all these different like DeFi protocols. Oh, the price of Luna is 10 cents, 10 cents, 10 cents, 10 cents. In reality, it was like sub penny, right? Which caused a lot of, you know, DeFi products to be like, to get exploited just because of the has incorrect price ideas. So even though it's like they weren't even using Terra directly, it was Chainlink that fucked it, right? Like it just had this huge contagion effect, right? Which we kind of, we purposely stay clear of that, of that, of that, of that vector. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. No external reliances and real assets uh, really becomes important when shit hits the fan. So it's kind of like a core Thorchain ethos since the, since the beginning. So big brain stuff. <laughs> Let's go to, let's move on to Mayan, uh, Rune Rambo. What's up? 
Hello, guys. I have two questions. First is for Chad. If you could check on my DM, I sent you some days ago. The second is we are building a new project for TC or on top of TC. Uh, basically, what it implements is the black hole of crypto. It's a swapping engine, which is truly DeFi mode. So a user is running then a VM on his computer, which uh, does automatically swap based on different criterias. And if we get about 2,000 users, we could on average have 100 million of volume per day additional for TC. So the question is, Will that be a problem for the TC ecosystem or the TC system? Uh, what are implications for outbound limiting throttling? Uh, well, I mean, how do I put this? So every everything in technology, every web service, web two, web three, everything has limitations of what it can do. Right? Everything has limits. It's almost like. Um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna buy a pool, you have to determine how big it is, and you can't just make it infinitely large. That doesn't make any sense. At some level, you have to make a determination. I want it to be a an above ground pool, or a kiddie pool, above ground pool, a regular pool, an Olympic sized pool, whatever, right? And so everything has limitations, including th including the chain. So I don't know what kind of quantity or, 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 or that you're you're thinking about, but everything has limitations. But that being said, like if Thorchain gets to the place where enough transactions are being pushed through that it's having a hard time fulfilling them all, then that's a great problem to have. Like I'm kind of quite excited about that kind of the, the potential. And if that happens, then like there are a handful of things we can do to uh, improve, you know, uh, throughput. Right. Um, and one of those things, most of those things actually just done by configuration, right? For example, like uh, there's a limit on the number of swaps per per block is 100 swaps per block, which is just a configuration. It's an artificial cap. Um, the number of uh, members in an Asgard is set to 20 right now. We can set it to 15 or something smaller to have more Asgards and all, each one signing at a faster speed. Or we could enable Eater Silt again. And that, that's just a configuration change as well. Like, like there's lots of things we can do without even making a code change. To, to improve its 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 like performance in terms of a larger quantity of, of throughput. So whatever you're doing, if you're going to throw through like a huge quantity of, of trades and, and volume and whatever, then like have that go nuts, have a great time. And if it causes a problem, then then we will adjust as we need to and 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 and, and fix whatever that might be. Okay, fine. Well. Um, the biggest problem is because we run in full DeFi mode, we have no control when we distributed it. So when it's out there, it's it's just running and you have the problem. <laughs> or Nine Realms has the problem. So yeah, no, should, if, it, if, it, if it's legitimate trading and it's all this kind of stuff, then we will make whatever adjustments we need. Because whatever it is you're doing, I'm sure the network can actually handle it. Maybe not in a current configuration but like it's I've, i don't really i'm not really concerned about you know the whole thing collapsing or anything like, like I'm not, i have no zero concerns about that i might be in a situation where like you know outbounds are being delayed up to an hour and tss is falling behind in terms of signing speed and so we can just make an adjustment for that like nothing that i'm really has any kind of st structural issue or problem it's just making a small like tweak here and there and again most of it's probably not even going to be a code change it's going to be a configuration change 
is it not possible to use uh, synths with your with your project with Runifier? Sorry, what? Uh, Can you repeat? But, yeah, w- wouldn't you be able to use uh, synths uh, on Runifier rather than? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, it will it will use synths. Yeah. Sweet. It sounds like it'll put a lot of volume through ThorChain then, which I think would be very good for uh, LPs on the network, especially if you're putting that much volume. Yeah, if you're gonna do it and you and you can use sense to what Kyle was just saying, like use sense. That'll be a be a lot cheaper for the network. They'll be able to to you know handle it a lot easier, a lot better, and once won't uh, add a lot of bloat to the chain. Blah blah blah. These kind of things. Like it's much more efficient to use sense over layer one assets, and it's, it's cheaper and more efficient for you as well. Right? You'll get better. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Price, you know, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned outbound queue, so that wouldn't apply to sense, right? So correct. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you can, I mean, send the, send the volume to ThorChain, like, let's go, <laughs> let's do it, <laughs> let's see it. The idea is also the project collects the affiliate fees and we have uh, seen or projected uh, exponential growth. So this will drive flip, slippage and to cover it, we will invest in the pools to countermeasure the higher slip fees. Go for it. Slippage fees. LFG. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, and if that kind of volume is ramping up, then the pools are going to become that much more profitable, which is going to attract all kinds of more liquidity. And, you know, that's the black hole flywheel. We're, we're all like ready to see go exponential. So let's do it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so thank you. And Chad, if you can check on my DM, I really would like to go in some details if you can. Thank you very much. Thanks. Uh, let's go to Don't Wrap Your Bitcoin. Hey. Hi, guys. Um, one question for Chad. Do you guys have plan to integrate L1? Sorry, what was the question again? Uh, do you guys plan to integrate L1 network to the chain? What, what L1 network? L- Elrond? Elrond, yes. I think. Oh, Elrond. Oh. Yes. Um, I don't know. Uh, sure. It's, I mean, it's really up to the community. I mean, uh, it becomes a question of like you know, who's going to build the chain client, and so Nine Realms has their own kind of list of priorities. And I, I don't, I don't think Elrond's in that list today. But if Elrond wants to kind of go the way of like Dash and just like build your own chain chain client and get it ready and all that kind of stuff, then like you can Elrond or any whoever over there can can get going right and get it integrated. And then it's up to the node operators to to determine if they want to add Elrond or not wrap add it or whatever. Right, yeah, the real question is, do they want to see it? <laughs> do they right. want to make it happen? So, exactly. Like you have to remember that, like Thorchain itself has you know limited resources. As a, as a as an OG team, as a Nine Realms team, like there's not um, we don't have some other, some other projects in the space have like a hundred developers, right? Like, it, and and some don't have very very many. And we're one of those ones that don't have very very many. We came we came very small, lightweight, focused, and you know we don't have tons of resources to be to be spinning up other chains. Um, so we just focus basically on one chain a month, more or less. And so I think for us, we're not thinking that Elrond is a higher higher value uh, chain at, at this time. We are kind of focused on you know, Adam first, and now AVAX, and then after this, maybe it's uh, Binance Smart Chain, maybe it's you know Polygon, maybe it's you know who knows, uh, you know Haven slash Monero, like who knows. But like we, I think I'm pushing internally that we just kind of go with a new chain, 
we develop a new chain like every month or so and get it out the door just to show that kind of growth um, and expansion that I want to see. But we, we're not going to be doing this like forever. Like I can't imagine the network having a hundred chains, right? I mean, you could do it. There's no reason why it couldn't do it. Node operators could actually run a hundred chains if they wanted to. But like, I mean, are there really a hundred chains that actually have, you know, actually would be valuable and add value to the network? Probably not. Without proposing additional risk to the protocol itself, because every chain connection, that's a, that's just uh, a big surface area for, you know, things to go wrong. So, you know, by yeah. adding things that aren't uh, on the top of the list that, you know, the risk might not be worth the reward. Possibly. I mean, some of these chains, like, if you look at like Polygon, for example, right? Hugely popular L2, you know, they have a lot of uh, capital, a lot of like um, value in their ecosystem. But in the end, it's, just, it's a multi-sig, right? It's managed by a few people and, and that, that centralization aspect to it. Like we need to think about what are the risks of this of Polygon, right? Like what, what harmful things can the, the people who hold that multi-sig do onto the network that they saw fit, right? And so we have to ask ourselves this question and figure out, you know, what are the risks? What, what harm could they do? What could they take from there? How could they attack the network? so forth and so on, right? And so that's something we have to analyze as a community and figure out if it's, if it's worth that risk or not. Yeah, not, not to go too far down that tangent, but I, I I do wonder about that. If maybe you could give the, the short version, like does, like, like let's say hypothetically the Polygon uh, multi-sig, you know, like ate shit and had some huge problem. Like does that, would, and it was integrated to ThorChain, like does that threaten all of Thorchain, or does it can it be like isolated? I kind of forget how that works. Yeah, so there are different. Um, so let's like run through a, a couple like hypothetical scenarios, right? So say um, Polygon took some asset, you know, let's just call it like like the Polygon Ether, whatever that's called. I don't even know, but like, and it just minted itself, you know, a hundred million Ether Polygon tokens, right? Is that you know, a problem for ThorChain. Generally speaking, it's not, right? Because all that's actually happening there is that they're minting a bunch of the tokens and then the, the price of the token, the value of the token should be, because the supply is increased, the, the price of it should be far less. And so at that point, if they start dumping it through ThorChain, it's just correcting the price of that token, right? I mean, it's, just a, it's an ARB opportunity at that point, right? I'm actually okay with that. The part that I'm not okay with in that hypothetical scenario is that, is that it's effect on permanent loss protection because permanent loss protection is not there to like protect against an attack like that. And that's not, nobody, you know, we didn't instigate that 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 feature just to like you know protect you know uh, holders of that token from that token going to zero because Polygon or whatever just like you know rug pulled it. Like that's not what is not to protect you from being rug pulled of other people's assets and chains. Like that's just not what it's for. So like that would be the, the my biggest concern in that scenario is just like the the effects on ILP, right? And then needing to disable ILP for that particular pool just because it's been completely fucked, right? And it's just we're not there to, to protect that pool from itself in a sense or that asset from itself. Um uh, that's that would be the the problem in that kind of hypothetical scenario. Um reliability of the chain itself could they make changes to the behavior of that chain in a unilateral or quick way that could cause problems on ThorChain? Like, for example, uh, if the network sent some assets on Polygon and then they, because some code change they mucked with, the network didn't observe that that transaction was actually sent, even though it was, and it starts sending it again and again and like repeating this. We actually saw this happen on Binance, on, um, on uh, uh, Bitcoin Cash uh, in the early days of the beta. 
where there's some bug with Bitcoin Cash that we're rewriting addresses and causing the network to not see that I just that it sent the funds that it just actually sent, and it just causes the network to get confused. And it wouldn't happen so much today because we have the solvency checker in place, and so if the network kept on spending, you know, this Polygon Ether tokens over and over again, and we think we still have them, of course, that would cause the solvency checker to like trigger and then cause the pause that chain, which will cause humans to come in like myself and others to come in and figure oh, what's happening here. Oh, okay. The polygon people fuck the thing. They, they're screwing us blah, 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 and handle it, you know, however we would handle it at that point. So, I mean, we, we have to think through all the different attack vectors that like of that scenario, because it's like so centralized that, you know, they can unilaterally make a choice and move without anybody being aware of it, hypothetically speaking. And so that's just part of the calculus that we have to determine as a community of like, here are the attack vectors that Polygon could make on us if they saw fit. Do we want to expose ourselves to that potential risk or do we not want to expose ourselves? And that's what the node operators have to come in and say, I vote yes, I vote no. Cool, thanks for the question. Uh, let's go to Major Nelson. Yeah, hi guys. Um, sorry if the question has already been asked. Um, <clears throat> So from a non-technical perspective, like uh, if one see all the chains that already been mentioned that are uh, already listed on ThorChain, coming back to what Jed just said, and as a non-technical person, one would guess that, okay, we have already have a BEP2 chain and we have Ethereum with ERC20 tokens on it. So one would assume that like Binance Smart Chain should be really easy to add. I mean, it should be like a question of days, but obviously that isn't the case. So it, it might be quite difficult to adding uh, Binance Smart Chain. So I was just wondering what's the what's the difficulties with uh, with adding Binance Smart Chain since it's quite a large chain. And so uh, I was just wondering what's what's the difficulties with that. And my second question is, uh, is, is it, will it be possible to add Add like real, like a uh, optimistic roll-up L2s from Ethereum, like like Optimism or Arbitrum, or will that never be technically possible to add those into Thorchain? Thanks. Yeah, well, it's totally possible to add L2s, uh, you, you know, these roll-ups or Optimisms or whatever you want to call them. Like that's totally practical. I mean, technically, Thorchain could, could support like a Google spreadsheet if they really wanted to. Um, obviously, you wouldn't do that because that's a bit silly, but like, there's, there's no actual limitation on what it can and cannot support. It's just a question of what you... I mean, technically, you could, you could support, you know, Apple stock, you know, in a way, right? I mean, there's, there's, so many, there's so many things you could do. But like, um, the problem with, with Binance Smart Chain is in so much the technical aspect. Like, you're, like you were right in that we can just basically copy and paste the Ethereum code and then rename it Binance Smart Chain and kind of carry on our way for the most part. But uh, there's two things uh, in this particular case. One is that the historically the Binance Smart Chain uh, daemon has been very problematic and unreliable. And so that gives us kind of pause about, you know, integrating with it just because we're unsure that it's going to be, you know, uh, consistently available or, or cause, you know, pausing of trading or any of these things because of some sort of bug with the, the daemon that it can be, you know, quite problematic. And so that's the first thing we have to kind of iron out whether or how, how much of an issue that's going to be. I know it's better now than it was a year ago, to be fair, to, to Binance Smart Chain, you know, community, but it still has that history. Same thing with Solana. It's like this poll pausing thing could, could cause an unreliability of issues. And uh, we have to think about what the problems are with that. Um, and then the other thing is, it's not so much just the technical aspect of like writing the code, but also like 
spending the time to like prep and educate the community, right? The Binance Smart Chain community and getting the, the team behind Binance Smart Chain, the, the Binance team itself, getting them on board, getting uh, some collaboration communications, you know, hopefully some Twitter spaces and kind of like spend that time to kind of like get their community learning about us and get our community learning about them, uh, getting capital ready so that when we when we actually enable Binance Smart Chain that it doesn't, doesn't start with like $10,000 in the pool and just sits like that for the next six months. Like we want to kind of get the foundation or the community or the influencers kind of behind it so that when we do launch it, like there's a bunch of capital that's available that will just deploy into the pools to kind of give it some volume so that it's actually a practical to, to make a decent trade for, for a decent price. Well, thanks. Thanks. Uh, we, we discussed it like a couple of weeks ago. Just, that just came to my mind. And maybe a question to Thorchain. Um, have you ever heard uh, any updates from FTX regarding uh, updating to a native rune? Have they, have they approached you guys? No, to be honest, like um, they, if I remember correctly, I think, think they were like early investors into the project like a long time ago. And they've been kind of like silent on the, on, on the DMs and like on the telegrams and whatever. Like, um, I don't know, sure what's happening there. The communication has been not the greatest. Uh, and I don't know why there's no, there's no actual like blow up or hurt feelings or, Anything like just, just I don't know if they're just gotten cold or like I to be honest I don't have the slightest clue, so I don't know what's happening in that regard. I just whatever they're doing they're doing and and, I, and there's very little communication between us and them. They're putting Sam's face on billboards. <laughs> they're they're too busy putting Sam's face on large billboards for some reason that I cannot quite comprehend. But like I, I wish I knew I would wish they would communicate with us and respond to our messages and stuff like that. But they but they don't. So I don't I don't, I don't have to tell you. No. All right. Okay. Thanks, guys. I, yeah, I wouldn't expect them to like scan their ear. Like, you know, say you have some rune on FTX. I wouldn't expect them to just say like, oh, by the way, you only have, you know, 50 rune rather than 100 rune right now if they decide to upgrade in the future. I, I wouldn't expect that. But at the same time, uh, you know, I, I'd be taking measures to make sure that that doesn't happen because, you know, God forbid it does. So if you do hold rune on FTX, just just know the the, the risk of doing so. Although, although I don't personally think that there would be a problem and, you know, stranger things have happened. Yeah, I mean, as we see the the kill switch like counting down, I mean, could definitely be a situation. So I, I would say, you know, take take personal responsibility to anyone that is in that is holding rune on FTX or knows anybody that might be, um, you know, like would not outsource that to them. Uh, you know, yeah. What, what, if anybody's holding rune on FTX, like take it out and convert it to native rune, you know, today, because it's, it's just having it sit there. doesn't make any sense logically. So unless you're just sitting there waiting for them to, con to support native rune, in which case they're not, they're not going to give you a one-to-one, -one, you know, trade they're going to give you a one to 0.9 or whatever the hell the number is but like just pull it out upgrade it and and and, and you know hold your hold your tokens yeah i think even today you'll still get like probably well north of 90 percent you know probably over 95 percent of the of the value there so even if you haven't upgraded there, there's still time to do so uh let's go to juggernaut amen hey can you hear me yep. yeah hey everyone hey kenton nice to meet you i love that guy uh, first observation um, <clears throat> Polygon like Arbitrum are very attractive sure but that's they are too okay I think 
just I think, it's my opinion, that Tor chains they must stay focused on layer one, and that's all. And um, the rest can be uh, uh, there. Are, there are uh, oh, aggregators. Uh, Will uh, will stay uh, will uh, give access to uh, all layer two, so it's not a problem. I think it's my opinion. Um, and as Chad says, it's also uh, risk more that uh, torchain don't need. Okay, uh, I think uh, just one thing uh, to to Kenton Binance change uh, the name of the, its layer one to Beacon Chain. And it's layer two to BNB chain. So it means that um, that if Binance uh, have a gun on its head to uh, lock any of this chain, it can't. Now they are independent. So if you want to pull BSD with Run, you can do it. I think it's my opinion without any risk. Now, the, the question. The question is for Chad. Chad, uh, uh, Chad Bradford, uh, Torpy is your baby, okay? It's okay. And now it's the done, and before it's done, I want to ask just one question. It will, uh, you, perhaps you will take it like a drop by his not. Uh, I've seen the, uh, the birth of you uh, of a euro okay and uh, why everyone when you think about stable coin you think about dollar dollar is dropping okay and you have a money there uh-huh. uh it's switzerland franc okay at the beginning of euro it was 33 cents of euro okay now one switzerland franc is one euro point zero three. It's more than one euro. This is a stable coin. You see what I mean? So, uh, Chad, you didn't made. Uh, I I read what uh, what you said. You you said we will make a stable coin. You didn't say dollar. And why not more than one stable? Okay. Well, so there's a few reasons for that. Um, and there's a many different angles I could probably answer this question, but. Um, part of why the network is calling this token the Tor token and not like Thor USD or something else is they're just trying to uh, detach the brand and the name and everything from the dollar just from for regulatory purposes, right? So if we don't publicize that this is this is you know dollar 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 US dollar 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 that it it might uh, help us to have less um, regulatory, you know, concerns and sense terms of the thing. Why the dollar instead of, you know, not francs or euros or whatnot, it's just because there's just not a lot of, the network has to pull upon stables that exist in the net, in the, in the ecosystem, the, the general crypto industry. And this is not a lot in the whole francs or euros or other assets. And then the dollar is for all its flaws, you know, it's still uh, the, the, the biggest asset in terms of market cap than, you know, francs or euros. And so it, it's it's harder to inflate the dollar because the amount of capital that's required to push it than it is on like a lower market cap fiat currency. 
doesn't mean it won't inflate. Obviously, it is, and it does it all a lot. And even this year, it's like things like eleven percent or something like that, which is just crazy high, like highest in like forty years. But just because the market cap is so high, it just makes it more difficult to. It doesn't mean that it's not going to do it. it. Just means it's more difficult. So there's no other choice, in my opinion, just because there's not enough staples in other assets, other like francs or euros, or whatever, to make it viable for Thorchain and, and its storefly features. Dollars the only one that's actually viable in my opinion. Hey, okay, um, understood. Just uh, it was just uh, an idea, you know. I work like this. I put an I mean, idea. You, you can go a different and, and not use a dollar at all and do what Rai is doing, which Rai is basically semi pegged to pi three point one four one five nine. But like that's just there's only one Rai and, and and it's not even really pegged to anything per se. It's sort of pegged to, to pi. Right, and it's generally like up and down, like ten or twenty percent. Uh, so it's not pegged to any fiat currency, which is kind of an interesting design. But also, like it's it never depegs because it's always depegged, and so nobody ever panics or fuds because it's continuously depegged. <laughs> so it's a, it's a good stable coin design, which is like a good way to fight the the fud of it. Like you know I mean, it's just by you know it's always pegged, so nobody really cares when it is, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> I know that uh, dollar is the world referency currency. I know that it was just an idea that I put on the table. Why not more than one stable coin? When I see Switzerland franc, I'm uh, talking about Switzerland, okay? Not French franc. <laughs> it's another. When I see it's multiplied by three since uh, euro is here. So it's for me a real stable okay home try to make a, a, a stable home you know home try to make a real stable it fails so, I mean, you, you could do that you could have the tour token instead of being pegged to the dollar being pegged to a basket of assets basket of stables which is kind of similar to what uh facebook was trying to do in the early days of libra and these kind of things and they changed their position and, and focus blah, blah blah that happened downstream but like you could do that. You could say, okay, the Tor token is not, it's not just pegged to you know the dollar. It's pegged to a, a series of different um, stable assets like like francs and euros and whatnot. Um, and maybe the community can do this downstream. And at that point, you're just de-risking the Tor token from U.S. dollar risk, and you're taking it on just the general fiat risk, which I'm not sure if that really is any better or not. I mean, I guess it is. Just one last thing. Uh, it's uh, it's an observation, not a question. Uh, I want to thank you all for the support to Mayans because you will stay the leaders, guys, but uh, you show the path. Now it's uh, it's time to order, to work, to and to build, to. And uh, I just want to thank Torchain to bring its support and told God to, to bring its support to my hands because it is essential. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Sweet. Thanks, man. Uh, Prime Directive. Hey, am I on? Hey. Hi, uh, real quick for Chad. Uh, please don't say which ones. If, uh, if your answer is yes, I just wanted to know if you are active on Discord in the ThorChain ecosystem, any of the servers or some of them. Yeah, sure. Of course I am. Okay. Uh, in that case, I'm going to um, just want to give you a heads up. I'll be sending you a DM. Would you prefer Twitter for me to contact you? We have a possible minor security issue. Uh, sure. Twitter's okay. fine. Yep. Thank you, sir. Yep. Have a great day.
Yep. Sweet. Well, it looks like uh, no other requests. Maybe last call for questions. Yeah, I think we could wrap it up here. Thanks for the great space, everybody. Good time. Thanks for coming out. Uh, every Friday at, at 12 p.m. Eastern time, we hold these spaces. Recordings will go up on RuneBase. Uh, you can get them on Spotify or... Do they upload? I don't know if they upload them anywhere else, but uh, you know they're online. If you're not watching these live, you can always watch them uh, after the fact, or, or even just on Twitter. For sure, yeah. Catch you guys next week. See, See you guys. See you. Bye.